0: The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I know you listen to the James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Hall. They asked James who was going to win. And he said Galway. Well, but why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to. Win. <laughs> Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity.
1: Yes, indeed, it is the Gillette performance rankings. And uh, every week we go through the um, the bad, the good, the grand. And uh, we are brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day, uh, and every week we give you uh, the chance to win a Gillette Labs shaving kit. To be with a chance of winning that, you can uh, just let us know who you think should make the performance rankings. And The best place to enter is on the Off the Ball Instagram page. You can see the comments box in our story for suggestions. We got loads of suggestions in over the last few days, and I guess the best place to start in the red, as you can see there, is Irish Rugby after the performance on Saturday, which It doesn't feel overly surprising or shocking or any sort of uh, OTT word you want to use in relation to it. It kind of feels that this was about the level that we expected. It wasn't... As bad as the scoreline suggested, I would say. Like, I wouldn't get overly carried away with it. Uh, Ireland could have been closer. The All Blacks weren't very good. They were, they were good. They were much better than Ireland, but they can hit another level, which is kind of terrifying ahead of Dunedin this weekend. And I think all in all, if you take this on uh, in isolation in a stadium where the All Blacks haven't lost in 28 years, worse things could have happened. And I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's even grand. It was bad, and it still could have been a lot worse, which probably tells you all you need to know about where Ireland are at the moment and the expectations going into next year where they will need to undo a big team, one of the top two teams in the world, top three teams in the world in order to break that glass ceiling. The evidence of the last week is that that glass ceiling ain't going to be shattered next year. Isn't it good of the All Blacks
2: to just remind us that the uh, once every four years going out at a World Cup quarter-final or before it is coming our way, almost irrespective of what we do at this point, So what's the point in hoping? Abandon hope all ye who enter here. Isn't that what happened? You're like, it wasn't that bad. Really? Was it not that bad? We played, we had like loads of possession, loads of territory. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the scoreline was not close in the end. Yeah. And there was nothing we could do to interrupt the
1: pattern. Like the thing is though, the uh, possession and territory in a different day would have narrowed the scoreline a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. But like to the point where we're going to win the game? No, I didn't say that. I
2: just think that it just would have like reflected like the scoreline when he looked at it. Like, looks like a hammering. And it was a hammering, though. They scored twenty-eight points in about three minutes, and we couldn't stop them. Yeah. No, no,
1: okay, so it was a hammering, but there's there's different levels of hammerings here. There's a sixty-nil. That was the literally it uh, was literally
2: Ireland's uh, last game. Yeah, but we had a man in, sent in, off in, after five minutes, in, so, that's, so that's, that's 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 not a real score. We never get beaten sixty-nil. That like that's why that, that happened once. I know, but like I mean, Ireland have got players sent off and not lost game sixty-nil. Um never against the all blacks, right? <laughs> I mean and uh, and also not after five or six minutes the way that that one was at the in the last test. I think the sixty is, nil is a bad example, right? That was a fairly stereotypical Okay, well yeah. that was a, that was actually fairly stereotypical. Plucky Ireland, we go out, we do well for fifteen minutes and then we get absolutely destroyed and then afterwards we're like, Oh we're not that far away. But actually, the truth is we're miles away. Where's everybody talking about our world class front row right now? Where's all that nonsense? That we puffed up ourselves with. Oh look, we're you know we've got this great everything in Irish rugby is perfect. It works perfectly. The kids come through the school system. They play for Lancer. They play for art, and It's the same style. It's the same system. Apparently, New Zealand looked at that and went, "Just do this and this and this." Oh, thanks, uh, Larishel, and thanks, Bulls. That's that's a good point. We'll do that too. And then they didn't even have to try that hard. Yeah, like I mean, I'm, I think that's probably true. Like I, I mean.
1: Nobody's saying that Ireland are on the same level as the All Blacks. My point is just that there are different degrees of hammerings, and this wasn't the worst hammering that Ireland could have taken on Saturday.
2: Do you feel like perhaps you're, uh, you know, going a bit easy on them for this? Like, is that not? That's our best team. That's our best team. Like, but I think there, it's not going easy on them. It's like actually an acceptance
1: of where this team is actually at, or what, what Irish rugby can achieve over the next little while. Because a quarter final in the World Cup, yeah. Our destiny is to be the same as ever yeah. it was. Like the, have, you, have you seen anything over the last little while that would suggest that that would change? Like, Did you come away from the Six Nations this year thinking, next year's the year? Uh, we've been in better positions after other Six Nations well, going I hope,
2: into a World Cup year. I hope that having put it up to France in that game and yeah, I, think that I hope that having just beaten the All Blacks in November, we would have kicked on from that. But we didn't kick on from that. It appears as if that was a peak. Yeah. Isn't that the point? I guess so. Like, I mean, the, the the counterpoint
1: to that was that some of the players—I'm and I'm, I'm saying, some—not all of them—some of the players were were exciting, and they still are exciting. And I'm talking about the, the young hookers in particular, that kind of we, we uh, pinned our hopes on for a period of time, saying, Gee, "There's, there's okay, two players. Superhero. And when Kelleher comes back, I mean, there's two players you can you can you can pin your hat on there, and that that was maybe informing it a little bit. There was like. Um, in fairness we haven't seen them enough but there was like a, a tranche of Ulster players coming through and the, the backs especially which hopefully we'll see over the next few years that, that we're giving hope and that's kind of what you want you look at a, a team in the, the present and hope that they can get better over the next little while
2: yeah but it, unfortunately the next little while isn't really the next little while it's like the next six games and that's it to get to the World Cup like maybe it's not this World Cup it's the World Cup after we've got a five year plan in place here and actually it's World Cup 2020 blah, 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 whatever the next one is Mm. where like, is that one going to be do we know uh, I have no idea is that a, is that the, it's the American and Canada one. Oh, that
1: one's confirmed yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is true so like what were you expecting on Saturday morning
2: um, I was expecting us to be able to under whatever the circumstances it, so if, if all is going well I was expecting us to be able to drag New Zealand into a dogfight and keep the score close I was expecting our defensive structure to hold up I was expecting our set piece to work I was expecting our tackles not to be missed I was expecting us not to knock the ball on as much as we did. Yeah, now there are, those are things that you can kind of point to. I'm like, I think it's,
1: I don't know. I, I think that there, I, I, there's a gulf between these two teams, isn't
2: there? But there shouldn't be, really. Like, why, why is there? We we just beat them relatively well when they were here the last time, and so even if there is a gulf between them, we have enough rugby experience and knowledge and nous to be able to drag a team into something that they don't want, as opposed to. Uh, doing what we did, which no, I'm 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 doing the glass half empty reading this because I, there's a lot of glass half full. We just got annihilated, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is Grant." It's a bit like the meme of the dog in the fire.
1: Yeah, it like Do you know, it's what, though. Like, is, is anybody it is, saying it is, it's Grant? Like, it's, yeah, everybody's it's everybody's saying, actually
2: saying. Saying you know, it could have been worse is not the same as saying it's Grant. Well, grand. I I I. I, I see and hear a lot of people talking about the positives from it and lots of people getting great experience and certainly the, the, the upbeat message from the captain and the coach afterwards was the refereeing was a bit off and, and like I think it definitely was and, and maybe the refereeing transforms the game. Maybe there is a possibility that you start pinging them in the rooks and we have more time in the ball and all of a sudden we can do what we did to them and and that it's as simple as that, I don't know. There's a possibility that's the case. I, I doubt it and I certainly am not hanging my hat on it but there's been a... a a wellspring of positivity about the experience, and um, and what we're learning, and it's like, nah, nah, I don't know. I just feel uncomfortable with that. Like,
1: uh, yeah, it's an, like it's a, it's an interesting kind of question of perspective and on, on it all. Like, there's definitely a part of me that's thinking to myself, you know what? <laughs> uh, find out how you react to the toughest possible situation. Find out how you react when Michael Bent is literally getting called up to to training. Um, in that situation in the toughest place in the world to go for a summer tour add those extra Maori games put yourself under severe pressure over the course of it part of me definitely thinks that that is a good way to go because what's the point on finding out that you're incapable of sustaining that ridiculous level of pressure incapable of sustaining it at the end of next year. Why not just find it out now? Why not just add this into the Irish schedule every second year and make these tests as as tough as possible so that you don't just get humbled every four years, you actually get humbled every second year. And maybe every so often because you're getting these every second year rather than every fourth year, you win one of these tests, or you win one of these series that are that are exceptionally tough. Granted, you're not going to have the All Blacks all the time. They went and they won in Australia. They went and they won a test in, in
2: South Africa in in what was it, sixteen? Like and they a- and they won a tour in in Argentina. So they've done all that, you know. Like that. That's the thing is that like there's nothing new here really under the sun except that this one has come around in this World Cup cycle. Let's get to the comments, right? Fergus Keogh, red's a bit harsh for the rugby. Seventeen really bad minutes, but otherwise fairly decent all things considered. I haven't heard anybody say... It was it was like, okay, yeah. Andy Jennings, hope is all we have, Jar. Ireland were over the line three times and denied tries by great defence. The All Blacks team are beatable. We get special points for not scoring the try over the line, do we? Is that what happens? There's like a, a little asterisk. Goes, oh, but we scored three tries that weren't given. Like, Kenny the Dad says, I don't think we were hammered. Silly interception try and ball handling at the New Zealand line on three occasions cost us dearly. They were more clinical. Severese's try counts. They put the points on the board... And they're seven points. That's what happens when an intercept try happens. If we scored an intercept I, try, everybody would be like, oh, look at that. That's yeah, yeah. quality defending with the pressure we put them under. But that's not what the commentator is saying. Like, they are. They are. They're no. saying that this is grand. The fire no, no, is no, raging no. at the door I'm and not. the dog is smiling off into the distance going, this is grand. I, I actually. So. so well, OK, let, let me think. So we going
1: to lose that test anyway on, on Saturday. It's about looking at it in kind of like a wider sense of what can they take from that test or, or what is it Why telling Why do we us? accept that like, though? What, no, I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's about accepting it. I'm saying that say if you're taking into account Ireland getting over the line not dotting the ball down and that basic breakdown in skills do we then have like this do we then look at that moment and say that's what we need to have a wider conversation around schools rugby well, we, and have rugby been and, been and, that. and do you know what we of talents, or we do, is actually that something that suggests was that this scoreline could have been closer at the weekend? What we,
2: what we do is we have that conversation in the aftermath of the World Cup every four years and then a little bit of green shoots comes through there's a successful underage team everybody's like oh everything's going grand and then we get to the World Cup quarterfinal and we get beaten again so you need to have more of those experiences and that conversation
1: needs to be happening more and more but like I I don't know. I, I, think that, I, I think that those commenters are kind of onto something um, with regards to that. And like, I mean, that um, saying that New Zealand, that the commenters saying New Zealand weren't even great there, like that's kind of what I think. And that's kind of more of a worrying sign as well. If you want to kind of feed into your glass half empty argument is that New Zealand could easily just go up another notch the next day. And look, I'm not going to bring it up again, but it's 16-0. Let's not forget it was actually at the end of the tour. The re- the last time Ireland went on tour to New Zealand, uh, we got evidence that they actually get better as the tour goes on, or maybe Ireland get ground down as the tour goes on. So maybe this will get worse, and maybe your very half-empty glass will be particularly empty, and it won't even be half full next Monday after next weekend. There is every chance that that happens.
2: I just think that there's there's a, a willingness to make excuses for the rugby team when they fail, right? And what they need to do is stop making those excuses. And like I don't, I'm sure the coaching ticket in private are not making excuses but it did feel like afterwards there's been a lot of happy clappy they're tired whatever this is inevitable sure they're New Zealand what can we do but keep the ball poked out to them you know like this is supposed to be us one of the first world nations going down to show with our very best team we picked the very best players available to us who may or may not be available around a World Cup but that's the level that you're going to have of a team representing us in the big games in the World Cup because you can't legislate for anything other than having a bunch of your players injured at any one time and we got spanked. We got absolutely spanked in that game. You know, but for this and that and there was a few things and maybe the referee, fair enough, but the truth is we got absolutely spanked and we need to be honest about that before we can fix it, I think. Yeah, it just sounds like you're surprised about what happened on Saturday. You know, the, uh, uh, like, I mean, are you not? You you predicted the 30-point hammering. I, I don't think after the uh, the Maori
1: game last week that many people were predicting Ireland were going to uh, put up but much the Maui game again. Were two different, entirely yeah. different teams. No, I get that, I get that, but it was still the sort of mood music that comes into uh, a test like this, and also it is kind of like your situation of like the, where, where's your depth at compared to where is New Zealand depth at, All and right. that will always
2: feed into the, the top tier eventually. <laughs> Uh, Luby says they still have the best team in the world playing down there is the hardest tour this is where we learn about our players easy to pick where we were poor but can we grow and improve go back and look at Earl's trying in the first half really good play with fantastic skills pity they couldn't repeat that and Daniel Casey says ref was definitely off but didn't have an impact on the result of the game I think although the Rook was an issue New Zealand punished our mistakes ruthless as always so we'll see I expect, I expect a response from the team next week I expect them to be able to dig in and when the second try goes in in a minute they'll be like start a scrap somebody got injured you know whatever whatever it is you're supposed to do to interrupt the flow of the game at that point I would do that mm. and I would expect them to have some little tricks for that Piper yeah, anyway. Piper's up on Saturday as well uh, yeah, I did not know that I expect South Africa I expect mm. <laughs> I expect South Africa and New Zealand to both be the winners next weekend <laughs>
1: Uh, our next team in red is clare we have uh, only limited room to touch on every team here so this is a conversation as much about uh, kilkenny being in the green as it is about clare being in the red because um yeah it's hard to know which was most surprising like you talk about trying to interrupt momentum there in the context of the irish rugby team on saturday could clare have done something more in the first half to try and interrupt the momentum that was clearly going against them like a complete breakdown uh, on Saturday maybe they could have like it it did feel that like maybe that's at the end of the game that they had against Wexford in the All Ireland quarter final that Wexford lost a few key components of their defense and maybe that is the true reason why Clare actually got over that All Ireland quarter final yes O'Donnell and Kelly really turned it on in the last quarter of that game but was the reason why that happened was because Wexford lost a couple of key components of that th- th- defense that that might potentially be the truth now when we look at what that Kilkenny defense did to that Clare attack and just completely nullifying them and allowing Kilkenny to completely run riot um, over the course of the entire game so uh, Mikey Butler, Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan they're the guys getting the credit and rightly so in that uh, Kilkenny defence and they just completely locked up Kelly and co and once you lock up Tony Kelly chances are you've got to go some way to stopping in Clare what was it 27-28 games uh, consecutively that, that Tony Kelly has scored from playing that run came to an end at the weekend as a result of, of Mikey Butler's performance. On the flip side of that then was Clare not being able to shut down Kilkenny's attack whatsoever. TJ own Cody and your boy Adrian Mullen, who you've been talking up for the last few years, kind of had, certainly when it came to Cody and Mullen, probably their, their finest day so far, uh, certainly in, in recent memory. So. I think the four weeks that they had off was absolutely perfect for a team that likes to prepare immaculately for an opponent. I would suggest that Brian Cody has a blueprint it might not be the blueprint but he has a blueprint to to stop Limerick in a couple of weeks and I'd be surprised if it was anything but uh, another classic between these two teams Limerick though will be angry after what happened in 2019 Uh, like uh, I think John Kiley said yesterday that three years is a long time it doesn't come into play whatsoever. It's three years long enough for Brian Cody to have forgotten what happened in the 2019 final though and Richie Hogan's red card and all that. I'm not so sure I think that actually in, in in hindsight 2019 may actually be something that motivates Kilkenny as much as Limerick so that's going to be fascinating but Clare were really bad on, on Saturday really really disappointing and like maybe it's the Croke Park factor it, it doesn't sum up everything there's a whole pile of other reasons to explain that performance and maybe some that don't even explain that performance but I would say that they were a little bit like deer in the, the headlights hitting the big house
2: and and underperforming. It doesn't make any sense. Andy Jennings says, Claire, were utter tripe. The biggest disappointment of 2022. It's certainly a massive letdown for them and for everybody associated with them because they were so brilliant, so far, so vibrant, so like, like I don't know. It, when the wides were racking up from plays that they had been scoring from all year, the, the massive raking points from inside their own half or the halfway line that had been tearing other teams apart when they started drifting wide that was just the end of it like the the air came out of the balloon so quickly with that Um, and there was a a bit of that in Galway but Galway kept at it like the Galway wides really killed them as well in the end I know the refereeing decisions definitely did not go their way in that second half and they can they can feel a, a little bit hard done by about that but at the same time it's the wise that will kill them over the winter when they look back at the video. And I just I there's no explanation for what happened to Claire, really. Like I see um was it Dalo was saying that the the Munster final took so much out of them, but again I don't know. They seem to have recovered from that and they seem to have had a bit of time since then. Maybe they're just not used to playing at this stage of the season. Those games that I don't know. You're you're grasping and groping for uh, some kind of explanation, but it doesn't make any sense.
1: No, like I, I think that if Clare had won on Saturday, we would have been saying that the four week layoff for Kilkenny had them stale, and the tune up that Clare had against Wexford and the extra time against Limerick had them perfectly primed for that game. I think Paddy Andrews often says it on the football pod, this idea of you know being undercooked or overcooked or whatever it is, just is, is a complete excuse, and like the, the dubs have to try and get themselves to a pitch every year after the, yeah. the Leinster Football Championship. Granted, we were coming at it from another perspective, and the Westwood game was a, was a tough one for sure, but I don't think it, it comes anywhere close to explaining what happened. It, it is a reason, for sure, but it's it's not anywhere near the reason, and they'll struggle to find a silver bullet. The only thing is that they're probably in danger a little bit of throwing the baby out with the bad water this winter, and I hope it doesn't doesn't happen because it does feel that this has been a bit of an, an arrival season for Clare the problem for them is that they're in the Munster Championship next year yeah. they could easily be grand and finish fourth and their season could be done they could have a Waterford-esque season where they go after the league even more so than they did this year win that silverware and get dumped out of Munster so don't getting, go
2: after the league is the, is the lesson we've learned the lesson right? uh,
1: like the, the thing is so I, I think this year was a, a great opportunity for them like Kilkenny just have us uh, bemused quite often and they have done down through the years about how they are the death star that just can never be destroyed and
2: you know Cody and Mullen are are both young hurlers of the year and they're both coming to full maturity at this stage Mullen's back from his injury had had faced some internal criticism that was one of the stories that we've been talking about over the last month and a half or so and was finding form and you know uh, found it and like Cody's devastating. Do you know? There's a. The, they can. And Tommy Walters was making the point and has been making the point all along. He feels like the players as individuals are there. It's whether or not they can reach that maturity of style that they need. And they looked to be able to do it yesterday. And again, the. Um, you know, TJ Reid went off and got married and came back and was a bit slow getting back to the levels of TJ Reid and now has slowly played his way back to the levels of TJ Reid. It's like, well, that, this is interesting. It is interesting. You'd still make Limerick strong favourites on the basis of. What they were able to do yesterday, when they needed it, they went to the bench, and actually the bench didn't make that much of an impact. Really, it was the players who were on the field. It was like the the dominance of Kyle Hayes for 15 minutes at the end of the game yesterday. So, um, you know, Kyle Hayes, uh, not not a great season. Man of the match all Ireland semi-final center forward. Thanks very much. Not a defender, not a full forward line. I'm center forward. Put me put me main stage. Mm. Yeah, that was like a, another kind of terrifying aspect of of Limerick
1: yesterday. Like it's just Kilkenny are just a, the great unknown sometimes because even allowing for Clare's wides and the breakdown in their attack, there were still just a whole host of mini battles happening across the pitch where it was just man on man who could get to the ball first. And Kilkenny won, it seemed anyway to to the eye test that they, they were winning the vast majority of those battles. And it's trying to describe that or trying to put into words. How that happens, um, and that—that's the, the kind of the, the beautiful and tangible about this team, and has been about Brian Cody teams down
2: through the years. He—he—he he, he talks about uh, literally the the uh, Oshin was interviewed him, and it was like, oh, "What did you like most? Uh, honesty of effort, genuineness, yeah, like you know, <laughs> hard work, hooking, blocking, tackling, like it's like yeah. But they were also allied to that. They were able to ping the ball to each other and find space. And create opportunities. And it's like, okay, all right. So they're like the Terminator. They've they've mutated into something completely different now. And it's like, ooh, ooh, that's interesting. So if he pulls this off, like... Best, it's the best he, he's ever pulled off. It, it is, like, far and away the best he would ever have pulled off. Because this is a rival in Limerick who are, are, are actually rivaling his great Kilkenny team to be one of the great teams of all time. So, so much is on the line. It's going to be two great weeks of build-up to that. Limerick, three-point favourites as it stands at the moment. So, we'll come back
1: to that. Uh, Next up in the amber is Cristiano Ronaldo. I would have Manchester United, actually, maybe in in the amber as opposed to Ronaldo, the problem for Manchester United, or the opportunity for Manchester United potentially, is a Cristiano Ronaldo-shaped one who wants to leave the club in order to play Champions League football. He's played in the Champions League, obviously, for 19 consecutive seasons. He scored 140 goals in the competition. He probably wants to add a few more goals to that tally, so he wants to play Champions League football next season. Manchester United don't really have another striker to step up. His 18 goals last season, I guess put a bit of a gloss statistically on the year, but some could very uh, reasonably make the argument that actually he held them back last season. So there has been some reports over the last little while that Todd Bowley has had talks with George Mendes. The idea of of him moving to the Stamford Bridge has been floated, but Manchester United believe not to be entertaining this whatsoever, and they're firmly saying that they want to keep the player. You just wonder, is there situation here where Ten Hag could turn this into something of a positive like a a Ronaldo who doesn't want to be at the club is that what Ten Hag needs in his first season
2: get him out this is an opportunity what do you like Man United they're in the amber because they're primed to go this is like a big big moment for them get him out drive him to the airport and say thanks very much get a helicopter to land on the pitch wave him off say thanks very much Ronaldo that was great we stopped you from being in the Man City jersey that was brilliant imagine if he'd gone to Man City and stunk the joint out there like Get get Ronaldo out. This is a big opportunity to hit the reset button properly, and then you take his salary off. You take all the you take all the issues and all the stuff that's going on, and you say, right, this is entirely one hundred percent the responsibility of the players who are here now. Let's let's see you all step up. Let's Marcus Rashford again in the papers talking about, you know, it's great. There's a new voice, new tactical direction. Things have changed. Like, why are you talking? Why are you talking? but get ronaldo out start again if there's if there's any money coming in first i mean that's very unlikely right that you, you did not expect to get any money back for ronaldo considering you signed him on a two year deal but either way this they have to take this opportunity to get rid of cristiano now he is not a useful functioning part of a team who is going to win the league and they're trying to build a league winning team and they need to start thinking medium term as opposed to the constant short-term let's have the dessert that's on the table and let's have another dessert and let's have another dessert and let's have another dessert. I feel sick. Why do I feel sick? Because I've gorged myself on short-term thinking.
1: Like it, The frustrating thing for Manchester United here is that they failed to qualify for the Champions League what, two months ago? Like, Cristiano Ronaldo's rationale for wanting to lead the club should have been obvious in April really and they didn't even need to get to the end of the season before this uh, came to light. So, uh, Ten Hag at least seems like a fairly meticulous planner. I would suggest that his plans included Cristiano Ronaldo. Does that not involve a phone call to Ronaldo? Does that not involve a conversation where you try and war game every single scenario here which involves Ronaldo leaving? Because this isn't a ball from the blue, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Manchester United this summer. You would like to think that Manchester United as a club would have sussed out if Ronaldo was happy to stay for next season last month. Whereas now, I know it's only July, but the pre-season has begun in case people haven't been... uh, paying attention. It's not a very uh, active pre-season with a lot of good players playing yet or anything like that, but it has begun. Teams are about to go on tour. Is this just going to be another one of these summers
2: where Manchester United leave everything late again? I think... I, I, um, a couple of things, right? It doesn't really matter if they leave everything late this year because Ten Hag is a long-term thing. And so we, we I don't think we should be judging Ten Hag until the end of the season and even kind of the start of the next season when there's like those... That third transfer window that he had will be shut, so it, it doesn't really matter to me if this happens late. And the other thing I think is that it's possible that somebody has decided that they're interested in him, and now all of a sudden that's why this move is happening. So you're you're kind of it's Mendes potentially working away in the background, yeah, or or or, or maybe it is the interest from Chelsea and the fact that uh, Bayern Munich might want or need somebody. I don't know. It, I, either way, the opportunity to get rid of him and not be stuck with him for this year and constantly having to play through him and having all the drama. Oh, he didn't shake the hands or he didn't go and clap the the fans. He had a row. Somebody else took the penalty. Like, get rid of all that. Get rid of all of that. And if anybody else creates any drama this year, get rid of them. You've got rid of Pogba. You've got rid of Lingard's. There's a few other players there who you could do with like just yeah gently easing out. So Ronaldo is clearly one of those players who, you know, sells loads of shirts and creates loads of social media buzz, but if Ten Hag is going to take over and we keep hearing about oh he's 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 on the uh, training ground and he's telling them all what to do, It's like you know, okay, it's kind of what a manager's supposed to or a good coach. Maybe there hasn't been anybody coaching that team properly for the last number of years get Ronaldo out now's the opportunity get him gone get rid of that and if it is late and if it's a pain in the ass try and replace him or get some, some bodies in doesn't matter doesn't matter just get rid of him and then start again
1: You would have to say though that if the decision happens late this summer uh, they might not be able to find a suitable replacement and is that Manchester United squad good enough to finish top 4?
2: I, I mean I don't think they're finishing top 4 this season regardless even like, if they sign top class striker they're, they're, I don't know I don't know what their best it's bet to, is. It's hard to make that case,
1: to be fair. Even, like, even at this current state of play, if, if Ten Hagi uh, even has a successful season, like Spurs and Chelsea, the positions they're in going into next season seem pretty strong. And um, even for Arsenal recruiting very well at the moment, it's hard to make a case for them to be top four as well. So maybe not. Maybe it's just an acceptance that the, the build has to happen and, and that's exactly how it has to go. But maybe building without Ronaldo is exactly what you want to do in season one. And it just uh, opens the opportunity for, for somebody else. Uh, in the green... We'll get to Wimbledon with Cullum in just a moment, but before that we should talk about Limerick. You kind of touched on them a little bit already just with regards to some of their performances yesterday. Kyle Hayes just uh, coming back to form in pretty spectacular fashion, got mad at the match. Like I think what's potentially even more terrifying is who didn't play well Uh, like I mean obviously Keane Lynch barely features Gerard Hegarty doesn't have one of his great days even though he's been one of their stars over the last couple of years and they still managed to eke out the win when it matters most it it feels to me sometimes as as if like it's been the, the Lynch and Hegarty show over the last little while that they've been the two most important components of that attack, and even somebody as extraordinarily talented as Aaron Galan sometimes just goes under the radar a little bit. They sometimes just don't need him. They just find themselves in open space, 60 yards out from goal, and they're like, well, we don't need you inside. But sometimes, when it's really, really important, when the games are in the melting pot, they need Aaron Galan inside. They need their corner forward, and whenever they need him, he comes up trumps, and he was sensational yesterday as well. It was the the Galan and, and Hay show, and they have options everywhere like 1 to 15 it's it's an absolutely outstanding it's an outstanding team and to beat them you need to be close to perfect galway were not anywhere close to perfect yesterday when you look at the wides count however you look at say the brian concannon goal the pass inside to him was just weighted perfectly and if you can do that against Limerick if you can go long and get your, get your distribution perfect which I uh, accept as a big ask yeah. you might be able to cause some problems
2: but you'd say, you'd say that Galway at best broke even with that long ball to the full back line because it was mm. countless times particularly in the last five or six minutes where the ball would go up it would be one on one and the Limerick defender comes out with the ball in his hand hand passes it off or you know uh, finds, looks up and finds somebody does the, the crocodile eyes and goes? Yeah, I can see stuff. I don't know. They're just they're they're at such a high level, and yet and yet, Goy are right there, you know it's level going into stoppage time, like and Goya, I think we're going to have a lot of regrets about the whys that they hit in in um, stoppage time as well. So anyway, we'll talk more about Limerick. We've plenty of time for that.
0: Yeah, and uh, Wimbledon is uh, last up. Column, how are you? Oh, and good, good morning. Nice in the green. In the green Saturday night drama Nick Kyrgios versus Stefanos Tsitsipas It's our uh, yearly um, Or annual I should say Kyrgios loving Or hating Wherever you stand on it But he provided the drama Once again With an unbelievable display Against Tsitsipas An unbelievable display Of both tennis And shithousery At the highest level But Tsitsipas actually Got fined more than Kyrgios So usually we have Kyrgios Is doing all the bad behaviour And the other player seems pretty quiet goes about their business doesn't want to get involved in it but Sitsipas is rising to the occasion and um, you know kind of like uh, just hit kind of a backhand frustrated shot into the crowd at the end of the second set when he lost the second set Pass and had just missed a fan and if had it hit a fan he would have been DQ'd yeah so disqualified um, for <laughs> anybody who's uh, not
2: down with the, the patois of tennis um, at that point there is a conflagration like there is an absolute Kyrios is screaming at the umpire, going, mm. That's a disqualification. He needs yep. to get, you can't hit the ball into the crowd without it being a disqualification. Mm. And then the umpire is actually having a back and forth with him, which is, uh, you know, it's difficult. There needs to be some way to speak in a, a sensible way to somebody who is being a brat and at the same time not engage too much. Because once you start engaging, he's like, Well, what about Djokovic? It's like, Good point. Yeah, well, your man in the crowd. It's possible the ball bounced back and hit him in the back of the head.
0: No, it didn't hit anybody. Definitely, I was sure, definitely, I was yeah, one hundred percent. You don't see, you see, you see it go in between. Yeah, but there was a person sitting there. That person got up. So had the person been sitting there, it would have hit that person there. Well, that's pretty what, lucky. What I found was when the TV coverage showed that the first thing after that second set ended was Kirios walking back to his chair, then it cuts out and then it goes back to Kyrgios complaining to the umpire, something about Sitsipas. he needs to be disqualified. And my thinking was, oh, Kirios just isn't up for this match because it's one set all and that was really hard to win that second set. And towards the end of that second set, Kyrgios did one of his things where he kind of starts to give up because Sitsipas won the first set. And I think he had He had one service game Where He was serving so fast That the ball boys Weren't back in place In time And Cisipaz wasn't ready And he wasn't bouncing The ball In times He was just picking up And serving And then looking at his box Being like What do you want me to do I'm playing terribly Why aren't you helping me And he doesn't have a coach He's never had a coach So he just has his entourage Up there And he basically uh, Fence to to them Or is he talking to to himself well, I, like he's talking he's to his box, but it's about himself.
2: He's screaming abuse at somebody. Is it, is yeah, it there being was a at point, himself or
0: the box? Well, there was a point where he was um, two sets to one up, and the commentators were saying, you know, he should be, he's in dreamland here, he should be happy out with life. And he was venting every time they went to sit down, he venting towards his box, saying something, couldn't really make it out, but it was clearly to himself giving out two himself so when I, I thought because so, if there's somebody in the box taking that they need to get down there and smack around the chops well when I, when I saw him in Umpire, I thought, he doesn't want to play and then I saw what Pats did but it was actually better after that when Kyrgios tried one of his underarm serves and Sitsipath smashed the ball back at him and it hit the scoreboard and had that hit the crowd Then people were, Oh maybe Maybe no. not But they would have Got away with it Because it's in play And totally. all he would have Had to say was Oh well I just hit A terrible he shot You're do that Afterwards Sitsipas said Oh I was aiming for kirios Yeah I wanted he, hit, to he, hit him. he hit him twice Hit him twice Yeah And Kyr- that was the only time In the whole match Where kirios is quiet Because he just let Sitsipas Just let Tsitsipas Have his tantrum Because mm. he knew He was going to get The better of him And afterwards sitsipas And they're formerly friends Like former double partners These two I'm, Sitsipas called him a bully I'm tight with his brother Says Yeah Kyrgios. tight with his brothers, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know yeah I mean that was kind of a, a little bit of a dig well we used to be tight but I'm actually tighter with your brothers now but they played doubles together uh, in the past there's loads of comments Kyrgios you know speaking very nicely about Sitsipas or Kyrgios, uh but very nicely about Pass. but afterwards Pass calls him a bully and evil and evil an evil side to him and he also well to balance that he said there's a good side to him too but there's an evil side and Kyrgios said well like he needs to toughen up he's soft like I, I play basketball all the time and it's dog eat dog, and these tennis players, you know, they're not so bad to play against. You know, you need, right, need to toughen he? up.
1: I mean, like Sissy passes, like like we don't know what he was saying, I guess. But I mean, getting trash talked in professional sport, I mean, is that not
0: just the nature of the beast? Yeah, I mean, it is. Like, it is to an extent. I I I understood Sissi Pass's point because um, Kyrgios does tend to get his way in these things. He does. Yeah, I mean, he does. Like, he gets fined. Like, he got fined for his, um, verbals to the umpire. He got fined $4,000, and Sissi Pass got 10000 for the ball into the crowd. But so he does Sissi Pass should have been disqualified. I, I don't know how he wasn't. I think I can't believe the difference. You have to actually hit someone. Is that That's the rule. Yeah, well, or, or hurt them then. And so that debate actually happens.
2: Oh, if Djokovic had, if he'd hurt someone more, I didn't, I, I couldn't follow the, the line of argument. Basically, Kyrios was ranting and was making points to the, um, to the umpire that this this should happen and he, it felt like he was right and it felt like if Kyrgios had hit a ball into the crowd and had missed everybody they would True. have
0: been like oh sorry mate we're really sorry to see you go but off you go he should have gone I was delighted that he didn't because I wanted to see the match go on but I mean like he was right Djokovic went as well but the tennis the tennis itself was actually brilliant in the last three points of the match Kirios saved a set point in that fourth set tie break with a delicious little subtle dink over the net which was you know like nine times out of ten you miss those and then the next two points Brilliant, brilliant winners. Um, it 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 has been excellent over the last few days. Yeah, uh, over the uh, weekend, the yeah. Sinner Alcaraz stuff
2: last yeah, night. Brilliant,
0: yeah. I mean, they're the future. Twenty and 21. 2019 yeah. actually. Yeah, I mean, they are. That's what we have to look forward to. We've talked about before. You have like Medvedev, Zverev, team, Sitsipats are all brilliant, but not quite like absolutely elite. Whereas. Alcraz and Sinner are showing really good signs of being. I'd next never heard Sinner before it. this. Really, yeah, yeah. The Italian guy, he's been there, there about. This is he. He had never done anything on grass before this tournament. Never won a, a major grass match, but he's made serious strides here and was, like totally outplayed Alcraz. To which Alcraz admitted afterwards. Actually, posted on Instagram saying, "You were by far the better player. Looking forward to have many more battles in the future." We talked about Alcraz a few months ago that everyone was calling him the best player in the world in current form. And after, since then, you know, he got knocked out of the French Open earlier than expected kind of did okay here at Wimbledon doesn't have any experience in grass really but the future's bright for those two and uh, for tennis as well like we had Roger Federer come on court yesterday it was great to see him in a suit sad to see him not playing but like we he do eventually need to move on from these three but while like they're here we want to cherish them that, that's happening though what, what side of the draw is everybody on? so Djokovic can at Nadal right one against two they're seeded one and two because Medvedev were number one he obviously can't play his band and Zverev is injured and he was world number two so they moved up to 1-2 and two, and from the curious perspective he can play Natal in the semi-final and has a really really good chance of getting there I mean it would be total self-destruction by him if he, he does not He's American some, Yeah Nakashima 20 year old Oh um, okay no, no real like no real experience in the game of note like very talented player but Kyrgios should beat him all, all day long and then he'll probably play Alex Demonar in the quarter-finals his fellow he who he has a winning record against like he should definitely beat him and that would be Nadal in the semi-finals and of course he's beaten Nadal before in the 2014 fourth round to get to the quarter-final of Wimbledon so grass is by far his best like by far his best service like Kyrgios is going to go missing again for another six months after this so we want to cherish him while we have him and then he could play Djokovic in the final which is the most long overdue match in sport Djokovic against Kyrgios um, Djokovic has to so he's got Sinner on his side then yeah he's got Sinner yeah so, like but nobody the, else the, really. the, big, the big threat that Djokovic has not had to deal with is Matteo Berrettini who got to the final last year who Djokovic beat in four sets Berrettini pulled out in day two of the tournament with Covid without striking a ball and he had won Queen's before that retained Queen's actually okay so that you know that was his biggest threat I would say I mean the, like Djokovic should easily win this because Nadal you know, hasn't won Wimbledon in 12 years and very quickly Schwantek yeah, yeah, yeah she's gone like got really easily beaten by Elise Cornet it was bound to happen she's not that comfortable on grass she's just playing on momentum alone but like to win like 37 matches in a row which incorporates 6 tournaments it's incredible that's the record for the 21st century beat Venus Williams record from 2000 uh, but she, it, was, it was just one match too many and right. Cornet easily beat her alright 13 minutes past 8 that is this week's Gillette Labs performance rankings OTB performance rankings with Gillette OTB